All right, turning your Bibles to Matthew 1. Here is our text dramatized today by the Lumo Project. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Focus attention on verse 22 and 23, which says, So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Matthew 1, 22 and 23. This prophecy is from Isaiah 7 verse 14 that says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. We'll see in a few minutes that a king was offered a sign. Ask me for a sign. And he basically said, no, I'm good. Tried to be spiritual about it. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you one anyway. <laughs> the Lord himself will give you a sign. And he's speaking this to the house of David. The virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. El is God. Literally, with us God. Who knows we serve a with us God. Emmanuel, God with us. Now there is controversy in the world of scholars. Atheistic scholars, uh, Judaistic scholars, Antichrist scholars, that the word virgin there doesn't mean virgin. So let's dive into it, okay? Matthew chose to use the Greek word parthenos because in the Greek Septuagint, 
in the second and third century BC, there were so many Jews living throughout the world that work was done, it took a long time, by 72 scholars to translate the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. Six from each tribe. So Septuagint means the 70. It actually was 72 men who knew Hebrew fluently. It was not a dead language. Centuries later, Hebrew died. And the miraculous thing about Israel is Hebrew, the language, has been resurrected. But I would think the Hebrew scholars who translated the Septuagint would be more knowledgeable than any modern scholar. And 72 of them agreed in translating the Hebrew word, we'll see in a minute, for virgin or young woman into Parthenos, which is in the New Testament 14 times. And all 14 times it is translated virgin or virgins. When telling the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus used the word. You can look it up all the other places. And I got this through Esword. It's the Strong's Concordance. It's the Greek word parthenos. And every time it appears in the New Testament, the English word it's translated to is virgin. Because that's what parthenos means. It's a maiden, unmarried daughter, a virgin. The Hebrew word in Isaiah 7.14 is Alma, which means a lass. Any lasses in the house? A damsel, a maid or virgin. And it is in the First Testament, King James Version, seven times. Three out of seven, it is not translated as virgin. It can be a virgin, but not necessarily. But four of the seven times, the translators translated it virgin. Influenced, no doubt, by the Greek Septuagint. The other Hebrew word for virgin is betula. And it is, it's more common, it is in the King James Version 50 times translated. 38 times as virgin and 12 times as maid or maiden or maid. Well, if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then he's not the son of God. If he's not born of a virgin, he's not the fulfillment of the promise of Genesis 3.15, where God said, the seed of woman will bruise the head of the devil and he will bruise his heel. So it is believed on this topic that Christ was born of a virgin. The strongest point, if someone wants to attack you, is the Greek Septuagint, the 72 scholars that did that centuries ago when Hebrew had not died. It was a current language, and they chose to use the word parthenos, which every time in the New Testament is translated as virgin. For a scholar to try to put you in a corner has to say they're more knowledgeable than 72 Hebrew speakers in the 2nd and 3rd centuries B.C., so, the context of this is an interesting story. So if we can veer off from the Christmas story and look at the context of this prophecy, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And it's this story in Isaiah 7, verse 1 through 17. It involves 
three countries. The country of Judah, the country of Israel or Ephraim, and the country of Syria. And in the, in the background is a country of Assyria, which has taken over the world at that time, dominating them. So you can read about this story in 2 Kings and also in 2 Chronicles. But what is not included in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles is this visit paid to a Judean king by Isaiah. Now, Judah and Israel had been one nation known as Israel. And there was a civil war, there was a split uh, due to the harshness of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And Jeroboam took the northern tribes and formed their own nation. What had happened was Solomon's son, Rehoboam, when approached by the people after he became king, they approached him and said, you know, your dad was really hard on us. We had to give a whole lot to build that temple. We had to this, we had to that. And before him was David, and we had some tough times. We hope you go easy on us. And Rehoboam said, my father's waist is like my little finger. In other words, you haven't seen hard times yet. One of the saddest verses in the First Testament to me is after that visitation, it said, the people of Judah went to their houses and the people of Israel went to their tents. So after all these years of being a nation, folks are still living in tents. And the prospering folks are living in their houses anyway. So the southern kingdom became known as Judah or Judea. Can you believe Judea is being fought over right now? Saying the Jews, that's not their homeland, Judea. They're Jews! <laughs> the two primary tribes in Judea or Judah were descendants of Judah, the Judah tribe, and the tribe of Benjamin, which was a smaller tribe. And one of the primary tribes in the northern kingdom was the tribe of Ephraim. And so it was known as Israel or Ephraim. And then the southern kingdom was known as Judah or Judea. And north of them is a completely different nation called Syria. We have Syria with us today, a nation known as Syria. And beyond that, coming from the east, the area of Iraq and all that area, an area known as Assyria. So that's come background to our text. If you could look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the well-known passage in Isaiah is his visitation of the throne room of God in the year that King Uzziah died. So this is Uzziah's grandson. He will be the father of Hezekiah. In fact, Hezekiah is already a little boy at this time. So in the days of Ahaz, can we say Ahaz? That Rezin king of Syria... So there's the Syrian king. So we have Ahaz, King Ahaz, King Rezin, and Pekah, King Pekah, the son of Ramalia. Sounds like Ramallah, doesn't it? King of Israel. So you got King of Israel, King of Syria, the King of Judah. They went up to Jerusalem to make war against it and could not prevail against it. So those two northern kingdoms are trying to attack and overcome Judea. Meanwhile, there's the threat of Assyria. Verse 2. It was told to the house of David, which is the ruling class in Judah, saying, 
Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim, or Israel. So his heart, King Ahaz, and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Can you say shaken? (laughs) They were shook up. Two nations are coming against us. And then we have the Assyrians to deal with. Then the Lord, verse 3, said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, or the laundromat, the laundry field, the launderer's field, verse 4, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramalia, which is Pekah, because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Ramalia, that's Pekah, have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them the son of Tobel. Now, a little background. Ahaz has not been a righteous man. He's been wicked. And here, God in his kindness, because of his promise to David, his promise to the world, Messiah is going to come through them. You guys aren't going to be wiped out. He is offering him a chance to repent, basically. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Who's been led to repentance by the kindness of God? He so breaks our hearts by grace that we we don't want to sin anymore. And here's what the Lord says, verse 7. Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus. That's the capital there. And the head of Damascus is Rezin. That's the king. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, that's the capital. And the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son, that's Pekah. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. In other words, don't be troubled by these people. They're just two smoking embers. There are a lot of smoke, not much to them. In 65 years, Ephraim's not even going to exist anymore. And Syria's not going to be a problem. But then he challenges him, if you will not believe, surely you will not be established. He knows it takes faith to please God. So if he believes, then he has to repent, right? Well, if you read the history book, he didn't heed this. Second Kings and Second Chronicles, you read the stories there. He basically made an alliance with Assyria, sent treasures out of the temple to Assyria, paid tribute to Assyria. I understand in history, archaeological history, there's proof of that on that side too, of the Assyrian side of the story, that they received tribute from Judah. Riches from the temple. That's what he chose to do, to buy peace, to, can you say, compromise. So the Lord said, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Verse 10, moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, ask a big one, ask a deep one, ask a high one. Ask me anything. 
I know this is hard to believe, seeing your enemy on your, you know, on your doorstep, but ask me for a sign and I'll give you a sign. Ahaz, verse 12 says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Hello, this is the Lord saying, test me. It's not good to test the Lord. You know, believe and you can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly and jump off this roof. You're not going to fly. You're going to hit the ground. You have tempted the Lord. Jesus quoted that command. I shall not tempt the Lord your God or put him to the test. But when God tells you to, Gideon did, didn't he? Not that fleecing the Lord should be a lifestyle practice, but he did and God responded. He didn't do it. And so here comes judgment. Then he said, Isaiah speaking, Hear now, O house of David. Ahaz is part of the house of David, but he's speaking into the future. Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? You're anointed men, and now you're going to be anointed to God? Therefore, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's your sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. Assyria is going to become a problem, and he did. You can find it in the books of the Kings and the Chronicles. So in this is a promise of a child, and before the child's old enough to really eat, these nations aren't going to be a problem. So did he receive this promise, Ahaz? No, he didn't. He didn't believe. He didn't accept God's offer. Here's this awesome promise that he did not taste. So some have surmised, theorized, that it must have been his son Hezekiah because he was a righteous man. Well, Hezekiah was already alive. Then some may say, well, maybe it was Isaiah's son uh, that he went to see him with, Shir Jashub. Why did he take his son? Shir Jashub means the remnant. His name is a message. Plus, Ahaz had been sacrificing to Baal, even put some of his kids through the fire. And have you met my son? <laughs> I mean, it's a huge visitation he's having here. So others have surmised, okay, it can't be Birjashub because he's already alive. Maybe it is Isaiah's next son because his wife died. He, had a, he, he remarried or he got another wife, a younger woman. And their first child, maybe it was him. Well, when they had him, God gave him a name. His name was Meher Shalal Hashbaz. <laughs> Wonder what they called him, Baz or Hashbaz or Hashi? You don't like your name, feel sorry for that kid. That name is a, is a message. 
It means speedy prey or quick spoils. It's a pronouncement of judgment. Ahaz, not going to go well for you. So we know that God's word does not return void, but will accomplish the thing whereinto he has sent it. And there's only theories as to how that word was fulfilled and whether it had any meaning in that day, can it have meaning today? God is so awesome, he can speak to the immediate and the future. In fact, if you apply his immediate wisdom, it will affect your future. Right? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, begin to follow him, you're saved from your sins, but you're saved for heaven. Twofold, right? Twofold. What Jesus gave in John 3.16, I quoted earlier, was a prophecy. God so loved, he gave. Whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it starts now, even though my body is going to have to be replaced one day with the glorified body. So, with this promise unfulfilled, just sitting there, waiting, and looking at it through the lens of Genesis 3.15, we see the Son of God came and was born in fulfillment of this. The name this child is given means God with us. You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is a formation of two names, of two words, salvation and Yahweh. Yeshua or Joshua or Jesus, depending on the language you're translating from, or Jesus, the language you're translating to, or Yesu. It means God saves. If he saves, what does he save us from? Our sin. What was the consequence of sin? Death. So we're saved to life, but not just for ourselves. We were cut off from relationship with God because of sin. So through the provision made in God's Son, that division is done away with. He hung between heaven and earth, and completed the circuit between God and man by paying the price for sin so that we could be made right, so that we could have God with us. But even during the First Testament, this was a promise because God loves his people. He reaches out, endeavors to do things. And so he instituted a sacrificial system to atone for the sins temporarily. Every year they had to do things to keep this circuit flowing, to keep this relationship alive. When Joshua took over leadership from Moses, can you imagine the weight that hit on his shoulders? Here were people born in the wilderness. Maybe a lot of them were born in slavery, but they were kids when their parents rebelled. So God said, you say you're going to die in the wilderness? Okay, you will, but your children are going to inherit the land. So he's one of those children And he has to lead these million-plus people. I say million-plus because I don't want to exaggerate. It was over a million. Not only that, they have to conquer people that are not excited about giving up land that they've taken over. This is huge. 
And so the Lord visits Joshua after he's newly in his position of leadership, and he promised to be with him. He told him in Joshua 1.5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. When we sing that song, I am not alone, I am not alone, for you go before me, you are always with me. There's truth in that, there's hope in that. We are not alone, God is with us, and he promised to be with Joshua in the First Testament. How much more, now on this side of Emmanuel's birth, death, resurrection, ascension, and soon returning king, are we assured of this promise of not being alone? David believed this in promising this in this <clears throat> David believed this inspiring promise also in Psalm 46:7 The Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah means think about it let the music play He believed it so strong he repeated it again in verse 11 The Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah there's a thread of the ever-present help in time of trouble throughout the Scriptures. God comforted His people through Isaiah, through this promise that we read. And here's another promise, 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus, who's the arm of the Lord, Matthew 18, 20, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the middle of them. And you say he is with us. In chapter 28, one of the last things he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. Someone asked Abraham Lincoln, this is one of the Lincoln legends that I love to tell. Someone asked him, is God on our side? He said, that's not the question to ask. The question to ask is, are we on God's side? If he's with us, are we with him? King Ahaz was not with the Lord. John 14, he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will Come to you. We know he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. His followers experienced him helping them. In Mark 16, after he's ascended, they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. The Lord is with them. Why was he with them? Because they were doing his will. What are we about? Are we just about not sinning? What about the sin of omission? What has God called you to do that you're not doing? Well, I don't want to do that. Remember King Ahaz. <laughs> well, I got bills to pay. Well, did you be led by the Lord to make that loan? 
The word says, borrower is servant to the lender. So may the Lord lead us in wisdom. Obviously, we've got to provide for our families. But life is not about us. It's about him and his kingdom. If we want to enjoy the benefits of him being with us, we've got to make sure our lives are with him. Amen. He repeated promises like this to new leaders. I say new leaders. Paul wasn't one of the disciples. He wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't around for the death, burial, and the resurrection. So he's a new Johnny-come-lately like the rest of us. Great intervention led to his salvation. God will speak to you as loud as he has to. And the Lord told him this in Acts 18. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you nor hurt you, for I have many people in this city. This is in Corinth, where there was some threats, and the Lord told him, I'm with you. Be courageous. Other cities, things didn't turn out so easy. But here he had like a year and a half or more to really dig in and work. The Lord promised to be with him. Tell yourself, God is with me to do his will. We need to live in light of his agenda not ours. Hebrews 13, we read this a few weeks ago. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. How can we be so bold? The Lord is with us. If you're called to be a missionary, you can't just drop everything and go today if, you're, if the affairs of your life are not in order. So, but if you're called, it's a call to start taking steps of action so you can obey that call. I'm talking to somebody. Well, that's not the dream. That's not my best life now. You're not living your best life now. That best life is coming, right? In the meantime, we're going to stand before the Lord. You want to hear him say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've done what I've called you to do. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with the child and will give birth to a son. And will call him Emmanuel, God with us. In a minute, you're going to hear this song. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Come, thou rod of Jesse free, that's Jesus, thine own from Satan's tyranny. I don't want to ever capitalize that name. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path 
to Mizrahi. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word will come alive in each of us, that we would take heart in doing our part to bring joy to the world. I thank you, Lord, for our families. I ask you, Lord, to strengthen them. And Lord, may our families be lights to the world in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us and use us like never before in this new year. God, that we would walk each day in alignment with you, seeing life as an adventure, because Lord, we are called to do your will. In Jesus' name, Lord, help us to be with you. Thank you for the promise of your being with us. Help us to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns a lowly exile here, until Son of God appears. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile until. Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Shall come to be your Israel. Oh, come, oh, come, oh, great Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's eyes in ancient times did give. The Lord, oh, in cloud and mystery and of all, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to
y'all know I'm just gonna say something real quick this is a walking breathing miracle and we're so thankful and grateful that God has allowed us to spend more time with such an awesome individual so much and I don't take it lightly that I have friends that I can call and I don't take it lightly but I hope that you know how much I adore you and how important and special you are to me. I see you smiling and I see the love on your heart. And I feel so blessed just to know that you have my back and you've been praying and I know you've been praying for me because I'm here. Shall see 
sweet hymns of joy in grateful cause bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. Amen. <laughs>